When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian and we are rounding the corner now and starting year four of our Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. We're glad to have you joining us today. And today we're going to do a special, a back to school special. And we're going to talk about some various issues that come up every year when kids are starting school and parents are sending their kids off to school. And this year, again, is going to be somewhat unique with COVID still uh, in the picture. So we're going to talk about some of those things, some of the anxieties maybe your kids are feeling. We'll talk a bit about uh, masks and so on. Uh, and uh, we've always, as always, have Michael with us today. Uh, Michael, how are things up there in Spokane? Well, yeah, today uh, it's very smoky. Uh, so like incredibly smoky from the fires all around us. So mm. most of us are not going outside. That's supposed to clear by Monday. Uh, and it's about 100 degrees, so Whew. we're still having that wildfire, drought, um, heat summer. Unusual for Spokane to be for it to be this hot. You you have hotter weather than we do here in Phoenix today. Oh, what do you have? We're we're going to be at like 95. We're we're in a cooling wave here. We're we're almost out in, in jackets. <laughs> you sent it all up to us. All the yeah, heat. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Uh, so before we dive in to our uh, our back to school special uh, shout out to a couple of our uh, to our two sponsors uh, the first is the uh, the center place of hope up there in the Seattle area our good friend dr. Greg Jantz has been a sponsor with us almost this whole time and we so much appreciate him not only for his sponsorship but for the great work that they do helping people deal with a lot of life issues from anxiety to depression to eating disorders. And if you ever think you need their help at all, whether it's reading one of uh, Greg's books or it is um, calling up and seeing how their clinic might help you, you can go to A Place of Hope, and that's found on our webpage, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And, Michael, I saw a, uh, a little blog piece from you the other day or a post uh, about the Forge School. So what's happening there? Yeah. Yeah, the Forge School, Benton, Tennessee, rural um, it's a residential treatment for boys 14 to 17 who are having issues and, um, they moved to a, a short-term model, six weeks to two months. And the advantage of that is that just about every insurance pays. Um, and it's such a, it's, I can't promise all, but just about every, they say. Um, and you know, it's such a great location a great staff and great school they have an adventure therapy model. They're boy-friendly. I've been consulting with them. They're very boy-friendly. Uh, it's worth a look. People go to wonderofparenting.com and click the Forge School. If you know any boy who's having issues in that age group, 14 to 17, really worth a look. So we are talking today about back to school and, and uh, probably, depending on when people are listening to us, uh, their kids may already be in school. They may just be starting school. I know by the time this airs, my two grandkids will have been in school for a month 
here in Arizona. We start very early. Mm. Uh, but the issues we're going to talk about still apply, whether today is the first day of school or you're a month in. And there are so many things that go into that first day of school or going back to school for the first several weeks, the first few months. And uh, so I'm just going to throw some topics out for Michael, and uh, he's going to graciously give us some insights. And uh, Michael, the first one that I think about, and I think about this from two perspectives, one as a student and then one as a parent, and that's just the anxiety of that first Mm -hmm. day of school. Uh, You've got your kids going off to a class that will be different than any class they've been a part because there'll be some kids in there that they know and kids they don't know. They've got a new teacher. Uh, Some of them are really nervous. Some of them are excited. You've got parents sending kids off to school for the first time, and uh, they're a mess. Uh, What are some things that uh, you recommend for parents and kids as they get ready now for these first few days of school to handle some of that anxiety? I think the thing they can do is to just lay it out to the child. You know, this is this is what to expect. Um, uh, it may change in terms of masking or, or whatever it is, but here's what to expect. So here's kind of the plan, and this is what we're what the teachers are going to do. You know, um, because the parents and the kids have probably gone to some orientation or gotten some orientation online. So here's what it looks like. Let me take you to their website. You know, if the child is of that age, uh, to see what they're saying, and um, and so the child kind of knows the first week or two in advance and doesn't uh, can quiet that anxiety, um, and then coach the kids to to uh, move into relationships. You know, make make because that's always where the beauty is for kids, um, not just the learning but the relationships. Uh, so hopefully they can already start targeting some relationships they're going to have with their peers. Um, maybe they are carry over to a teacher they like, you know, the parents kind of really coaching the kids on um, spend, spend more time with that teacher. Uh, so I would put it in both those categories for normal. I know we'll then talk about the COVID trauma, but for normal, those are kind of the key things. Know the layout and the plan and target some good, strong relationships. And how do parents handle their own anxiety? Uh, letting their kids go off to these schools, and and uh, especially if it's their first time, what are some some hints you give to first time parents sending their kids off to school? Yeah, the the first thing is to for that we should all remember that even though in the news we see bad things happen in schools, you know, um, schools are really safe, and the and the school that their child is going to is really safe. If they d- didn't think it was is going to be safe. The parent will have probably done some research about that school. But I think, um, and, and certainly there are schools out there that are not safe. Yes. But for the most part, I, I hope the parent does the research, says, okay, you know, sees this is a safe school. This is a good environment for my child. And then uh, can let go and kind of say, I'm going to check back in on this anxiety, you know, in a month. So I'm going to put it off for a month. I've, I've done the research. I like this school. It's a right school. It's a good school. I, I'm going to not feel anxious now. And then in a month, I'll, I'll say, well, do I have reason to, to be anxious? And usually by then, by then what happens is the parent can see specific areas like, wow, my child is not relating well to the math teacher, right? What do I do there? Um, but the general anxiety can be resolved. If the parent sees a school or thinks the school is not safe, obviously that's a different issue. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And then how, are, how do we get our kids set up with good habits quickly? Because they've been on summer break. We probably haven't been as diligent as we should be in terms of screen time or rhythms of life, uh, going to bed maybe later than we should, getting up later than we should. Uh, what are some good habits to develop to make sure that that child has a great day at school every day? Um, I think, first of all, making sure that everyone realizes the child won't have great days at school every day. I know you set me up there. Uh, that, you know, it's an imperfect environment and and uh, it's just the child's going to have to roll with it, be resilient. Um, uh, and also, um, in a less vague way, more concretely, I think the the ritualization of the child's life, you know, kicks in again now. Uh, so parents help kids set up a schedule whereby, like, let's say the child's in school six hours a day and does not have athletics. So comes home. Uh, you know, at the six hour mark, let's say. And then, so maybe the child is going to need some transition time that's ritualized in, like maybe don't jump right on homework, but something, something that's going to make a brain change and a little rest state for the brain. And then, so let's say that's at three o'clock. So then, okay, but you know, you're always going to do your homework at four o'clock after you've had this rest state or you've recharged or you've done your chores or you've taken a walk or done taking a run, whatever it is. And then now from four to five, you do your homework and um, uh, just ritualize it. Because as the kids get into a structure and a ritual, um, that's going to be so helpful a month from now, two months from now, three months from now. You know, when the kids have a lot of homework, they want to do other things. Um, uh, So I think ritualizing it is a real key principle for parenting through school years. We just did a, a podcast on food for the brain. Talk a little bit about how important breakfast is for a school day. Yeah, good good kind of protein or the right carbs breakfast. Um, uh, certainly, we don't want to be saying no breakfast, right? That child's brain right. needs the fuel, so we want breakfast. And in, in under-resourced um, communities, very often the breakfast can be served at the school, so we know the child will get it there if can't at home. Um, and... And then if at home, uh, we want to avoid uh, the wrong carbs. We want to avoid, um, I always use brand names. I shouldn't use brand names, but the sugar cereals, the cereals sure. that have just, just wheat and sugar, you know, gluten and sugar. Um, not not going to be good. Want to make sure there's protein. And um, uh, if we can do that and the child's having a good diet, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That helps the child, especially in first and second period. Uh, the bad breakfast means the child's probably not going to do as well in first and second period. 
And, and I would imagine that for some families, this is a, a struggle. Uh, kids are running late. Families are running late. Uh, kids can be a bit finicky. Uh, but what you're saying is donuts are not the best way to start the day uh, for the brain. No, you know, that kind of gluten or wheat and sugar, uh, it's not going to be the right carbs um, for the brain. Uh, we we got to at least have a mix of protein in and um, and just kind of go into it knowing that fuel for the brain comes from the variety and especially from the protein. Fuel for the brain comes for about five or ten minutes from the donut, you know, you get the rush and your brain could be doing some good things for five or ten minutes but then the whole body and brain start that glucose they they have to react to it and there's some shutdown and you get some brain fog and so no it's a donut is not the right idea (laughs) so so just give parents an idea because I'm I'm going to guess that there are some parents who are saying, man, give me some quick proteins because um, oh, I don't like have eggs. time to. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Go ahead. Eggs. Sausage. Yeah. Eggs are really fast. You know, scrambled eggs take about five minutes or three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Any of the meats that that uh, we would love it to be organic meats if possible. Right. Because we want to protect the kids from those environmental neurotoxins if possible. But yeah, meats uh, are protein for people who are vegetarian. Um, you can do like legumes and rice. Um, uh, you know, and oatmeal is also a better cereal than the sugar mm. cereals. So mm-hmm. oatmeal is really useful to the brain. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, even peanut butter and jelly sandwiches probably could be. Yeah. The peanut butter would be helpful. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Okay. Now, uh, the student is, uh, two, three months, maybe three, four weeks into the, the, uh, the class into school and mom, dad noticed things are not going well relationally with the teacher that the yeah. child comes home and uh, just always is complaining about the teacher. What do parents do about that? And and how are you? How can you have a good relationship with the teacher, get what you need for your student, and not be that parent? Right. Yeah, I, and I'm glad you said two or three months in. You know, it's really important that parents, even if their child is complaining after a week or two, um, uh, I don't like that teacher, that parents give it time and coach the children to give it time. Um, because... Parents who are, you know, going after the school at a week or two or going after the teacher at a week or two, it's too early, right? We got to let it evolve. And um, But after two or three months, uh, if the child is really complaining and the grades are bad and, and there's concrete complaints, you know, it's not just the child saying, I don't like this teacher and this teacher doesn't like me. I'd love it to be more concrete. You know, I, I tried to raise my hand and the teacher shamed me this way, you know, or something like that. So that there's something concrete. And the reason the concrete is important is that at that two or three month mark, then the strategy is is kind of dual. The, the parent is going to want to be talking to the teacher. And if the problem continues, uh, is going to end up talking, you know, somewhere around the three month mark, I, I would guess, with the principal, vice principal. You know, if things are going really badly and the child is getting D or F, and uh, is not wanting to go to that class, and it's very you know clear there's something wrong there, right? That it's a personality clash or something's wrong. Um, then it's going to go up into the administration. So we really need the concrete because going to the administrators have a lot of trouble, and I think rightly so, with parents who say to them, "My child doesn't like Mrs. So and So, and Mrs. So and So doesn't like my child." You know, it's not concrete enough, right, right, in most cases. So some concrete evidence would be really useful. 
Um, and then, you know, kids can be moved to other classrooms. Um, but I, I, I really, really want parents to coach kids to not, to not complain and to be resilient and to work really hard not to complain about the teacher. And if the teacher is still not serving the needs of the child, okay. Because I think, I think that we as parents do complain too much about the teachers, you know, and, and we don't coach our kids to be resilient. We coach our kids to come complain to us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we really should be, we got to coach our kids to be resilient because that's a, that school is a big labyrinth, you know, it's got a lot of teachers and, and it's really kind of useful for child socialization to be able to adapt to those different personalities of those teachers. Um, you know, but when the line is crossed, okay, then that's what we should be uh, coaching our kids to tell us about, not, not just not liking someone. Does that right. make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it brought to mind a story from our life when our daughter, Alicia, was younger. Uh, and she had a teacher she really loved. It was a good teacher. And Alicia came home in tears one day, and they, they had an assignment. It was to draw something. I don't remember all the details, but apparently Alicia didn't quite understand the assignment. And the teacher collected all the pictures, and she didn't say Alicia's name, but she held Alicia's pictures up, picture up and said, this is an example of someone who didn't listen to what I said. Mm. And it just crushed her. Yeah. So Jan and I went to the teacher and, you know, the first thing we said was, look, she loves you, but here's the experience she had in your class. And we're not sure that that was really appropriate to, to hold up anybody's artwork and embarrass them in front of the whole class. And she, you know, obviously she was deeply hurt and maybe a bit defensive, although she handled it very well, but she, that was something she needed to hear. And I think in the end, she probably would say, yeah, I, I probably should not have done it that way. And there's a better way to do it rather than us going in and just being in her face and saying, you're a terrible teacher. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten anywhere with that. So, uh, you know, when we see our teachers, they're working hard and they've got 20, 30 students in their classroom and they're all at different levels. And, um, so the best thing we can do is, is, as you just said, be as positive as possible and concrete as possible uh, but it does then lead to a, the second question, which you touched on. My child is doing poorly in school. Right. Um, then how do you approach the teacher and, and what do you do with that? Yeah. I want to approach that uh, in two ways. One is personally uh, looking at the teacher-child relationship and looking at the teacher. That's f fair to do um, uh, within the restrictions that you just noted, which is try to be positive with the teacher, you know, um, try to really figure out concretely what's going on. And then the other way is systemic to look at, well, in this system and the way teachers have been trained to teach in this system, uh, in this school, um, do they, do, do the teachers really understand and does this teacher really understand my son or understand my daughter? And this is where the minds of boys and girls and the boys and girls learn differently strategies and training come into play because often the teacher is actually really really great, um, but didn't get trained in how to work with boys, for instance, or work with the male brain. That's the that's where the biggest gaps generally are now. And and usually the complaints are coming, not always, but usually are coming from parents of sons and, and saying, well, come on, there's like four or five of these boys. We know the other parents. I'm a mom now. I know the other moms. And look at these five boys are failing in this class with this teacher. So that's systemic. And and if this teacher has doesn't have training um, in how to work with the male brain and work with boys and how boys and girls learn differently, then m all or most of the other teachers in that system don't either. So now we form a parent 
parent-led team, I call it, I have this in the minds of boys, a parent-led team where, where you know, these groups of parents, uh, this group of parents goes in kindly uh, to talk to the principal, vice principal and say, okay, look, all these boys are having trouble in this class and all the girls are doing well. So is this going on? Have you disaggregated your data? What are you looking at? Because I bet in this school, boys are way behind girls in your test scores, in your grades, and then in behaviorals, right? In, in behavioral markers. So discipline referrals. And and often that can lead to trying to help with systemic change so that these teachers get the training because they're already really good teachers, but they don't have this training. So that's why, you know, the boys often are the ones failing. Um, so personally and systemically, I'd love to see parents handle it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's move then to COVID with our remaining time. Uh, last year, uh, it really uh, challenged our students and our teachers and our parents. Uh, many of our students were online for a while and then back in school. Some never got back into school. Now we come back to school and uh, we were hopeful that maybe the pandemic was somewhat behind us. And uh, in many states like ours, it is not. Uh, we yesterday, uh, it's August when we're recording, we had our highest number since uh, February. And, uh, and there was an article in the paper today that though it's not a lot, the numbers are going up with children. And so there's a big controversy here about wearing masks and whether masks should be mandated or not. Um, and so it's still tricky. Uh, we, we are going to school. We know kids need to be assimilated with other kids. And yet there's still this, this uh, pandemic hanging around. So start with um, just, you know, how do, how should parents handle with their own kids, uh, do you think, the issue of masks? Should they be wearing masks to school? Should they not be wearing masks to school, regardless of whether they, are, they have an option or not? If the, if the option is, no, you don't have to wear one, should they still wear one? Where are you at with all of this? Yeah. Well, from the very beginning, as you know, um, I am, I've, I've followed the science that later the Great Barrington Declaration laid out with thousands of, of epidemiologists laying it out there that the coronavirus is a, is a virus that will always be with us. Places that shut down, right, and and said, we're, you know, we're going to we're going to get rid of it. We're going to shut down for six months. Parts of China, Taiwan, you know, Japan, et cetera. Um, we always knew that when they opened back up, which they had to do, um, that they were going to get flooded with cases, right? Because the coronavirus can't 
you can't get rid of it. <laughs> it just is. And, uh, and it's going to find people. So we need to adjust our attitude. Everyone, admi- administrators, governors, parents, you know, everyone has to adjust to this understanding uh, and turn off media, you know, that may be saying something else. Just turn that off and, and just look at this from a medical science point of view. This thing will always be with us. And then from there, then say, okay, if we, ha- if we are in a hot spot, then these are the mitigations that we're going to use. If we're not in a hot spot, uh, then we don't need these mitigations. How do we know we're in a hot spot? We don't know we're in a hot spot by cases. The cases are, are going to just keep going, right? They're going to keep right. going, as they always have, right? For a year and a half, the cases are going to keep going. They may go away for a while. A whole bunch of people get vaccinated and the cases go down, which is great. You would expect that. Uh, but, you know, we have so many people not vaccinated that there's a lot of hosts left. So the COVID comes and attacks those people, which is what it is doing now. The people who are not vaccinated, about 90% of the hospitalizations right now are people who are not vaccinated. So um, so the second thing I would say is vaccination is key. And if any adults are listening to this and they're saying, well, I heard so-and-so say I shouldn't get vaccinated or, or whatever is your reasoning from somebody, what I would say to you is you are making a choice to pass this burden onto your children or to the children around you by not, by not getting vaccinated. The extreme exception would be there's someone listening who whose doctor will say, you have such and such a condition, you should not take this vaccine because it attacks this protein. So that's right. going to be a hundred people out of a million or two million, right? But for the other million or two million, um, they should get vaccinated. If they don't, the burden passes to the kids. And so that brings us to schools. So, um, you know, our kids have experienced an incredible amount of COVID trauma, as have the adults, uh, over the last year and a half. Now that COVID trauma is resurfacing, the COVID trauma is isolation trauma, it's depression, it's anxiety, um, uh, and and it's resurfacing as we're having these battles about what to do in schools. And so if it's, you're in a hot spot, if that school is in a hot spot, then I, I think, of course, they're going to have the kids mask. But even if they have the kids mask inside, there is no reason for kids to be wearing masks while doing their exercises, while playing soccer, etc., while doing athletics. Um, there's no reason for that. Uh, and someone will come up with some reason for one particular child, but that's not enough for whole whole slews of kids to be wearing masks while playing soccer. Um, I can see masks in a hot spot uh, inside a closed space. I mean, I can see that, sure. And that's going to mitigate the spread slightly, um, right? There's a lot of research on both sides on masks. I go with, if you're in a hot spot, wear masks. It's a good idea. Um, uh, but the key to all of it is everyone's got, who can get vaccinated, has got to get vaccinated. And the, we have to get the realization into the adults, um, who can get vaccinated that, that 90% of these hospital cases are unvaccinated people, because what really matters is hospitalization. Again, not the spread. Don't listen to those numbers. Don't really matter. What matters is who's being hospitalized and who's dying and where. And now we know when we see those numbers that those are in areas where huge swaths of adults have have decided not to be vaccinated. I consider it relatively abusive to have kids wear masks 
while they're trying to play soccer or run. I think that's dangerous to the system and somewhat abusive to do to the kids. Uh, and it's us adults passing that burden on to them. And, and so I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that when they're outside, uh, w- which is what the, the data seems to suggest, we're okay. So it just makes it more difficult for the kids to breathe with their masks and so on when they're running around. Let them take their masks off outside. What about... Even when they're uh, inside, truthfully, the ma- we, we're going to do it in a hot spot. But a whole state mandating masks, you know, a whole state saying, okay, everyone going back to school, all those children now have to wear masks. When there are only like a few hundred, uh, you know, a few hundred people over a six-month period have been in the hospital for COVID in that area. Right. Right. That that that's not a hot spot. It that does not make sense. The schools in that state ought to be having masks indoors for kids when they're in a hot spot, but not as you know all five million kids in that state should be mass when they're not in a hot spot. So I I would even argue against. I just think we have to become hot spot oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Indoors yeah. and outdoors. So so I was going to ask. So for example. Uh, and now we're we're sort of just uh, getting picky, but you're in a hot spot, or it's a legitimate hot spot. Um, probably okay to be playing outside without masks. How about basketball in the gymnasium? Yeah, I, again, I don't. I, it's it's athletics. The breathing's going to be very difficult while wearing the mask. So I would say no. Uh, but but I would defer to whoever is the health authority in that school, right? In yeah. that neighborhood. Yeah. That's who I would defer to, um, if that's a hot spot. Uh, but generally, I don't don't think mass and athletics mix. Mm-hmm. And and what for should, children for children? Right. Yes. So and what should? Um, how do parents? Um, what are some th- thoughts from you on how parents can talk about COVID uh, in a way that's responsible, that's honest? Um, that for that family, uh, you know, sort of this is where we stand on this, but without becoming um, mean-spirited about it if someone disagrees, which is oh, really like, one of the big problems we have right now in our culture, period, right? If you wear masks and I don't think you should, you're you're an enemy and so on and so forth. Yeah, oh, good point. Um, well, I, for, I first think, of course, this depends on the age of the child, but I, I, I first think use use the real science, you know, get get off Twitter first of all, but go to the real science, you know, find it and uh look at it and talk to your kids about what's really going on, right? Uh what's what's really going on. Here's what this virus is. Uh let's put it in context. Kids um might get some illness from it, but they're much more likely to die from a car accident, you know, etc. than from COVID. So you son, you daughter, you are not really at risk. Um, don't add that anxiety to you, you know, um, uh, all of that and, and kind of follow the real science on it, not the politics and not the media and what they're doing with it. Uh, the politicization, uh, follow the real science. That's going to help quiet the anxiety in the kids because the great thing is even with Delta, um, you know, the media is doing a lot now with, well, you notice that Delta is 50% more contagious among kids. And we have, we have, you know, more children, we have a 20% increase in children who are in hospitals. Okay, and that just sounds really ominous, right? But in fact, a 20% increase, isn't that a lot? Because there weren't a lot of kids in hospitals, right? right? right. So it's not, you know, so we got to quiet our kids' anxieties and our own anxiety about this, about this virus. And, um, 
And, and, you know, and I say that as a guy whose father died of COVID pneumonia. My father, mm. 92, died of COVID pneumonia. He had a number of other conditions and uh, got COVID and died of COVID pneumonia. So, you know, you'd be thinking someone like me would say, oh, my gosh, you know, we should react with a lot of fear. But no, my father never wanted that. And I don't want that. And parents raising kids, um, anything they can do to quiet the fear is really the key. If someone else is doing something they don't like, they can certainly tell their kids, I don't like that. But but their kids have to understand and they have to understand that that other person is doing something based on what they're hearing, right? So mm-hmm. we don't have a common narrative. Um, uh, right. We have a politicized narrative and we have a scared narrative and we have an unreasonable narrative. People are coming up with conspiracies. And so um, we have to have some empathy and compassion for those other people who are doing it differently than we are. Um, uh we do. We have to have empathy and compassion. And especially if they're not vaccinating, you know, we have to have empathy and compassion for them and say, well, they're they're using this other theory. But, you know, now uh, in fall of 2021, that other theory really isn't a very good theory. They, they should be getting vaccinated. However, they're, they're human beings. They have dignity. You know, we can't spend our life attacking them. Uh, we have to have empathy for them while we do what we believe is the right thing. Right. And I guess in the end, for parents, that's the deal. What is it that we believe is the best thing to do for our kids to keep them safe mentally, emotionally, physically uh, as they go back to school? And, um, you know, for them, it's wearing masks. Um, even if they're not in a hot spot, that's all right. Um, and, um, right. you know, and then but at the same time, you know, if there are certain mandates in your school because you're in a hot spot, then part of what we want to teach our kids is we. We need to follow these mandates because that's a part of the system we're in right now. Yeah, if those mandates exist, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think we're getting to the point, I think unless we get the dip that England got where where it just sort of a month from now, everything dips again, you know, in terms of cases, et cetera. Um, unless we get that, I think if, it's, if we plateau at sort of high level of hospitalizations in hotspots, I think that... Um, we're going to probably nationally or various states and it'll go to court, but it's going to be mandated. You know, the vaccine's going to be mandated in the same way that a lot of uh, vaccines for children are mandated. Um, I think that's yeah. where we're going to have to be. Uh, we're not there now, but I think in a few months that's going to start getting floated around. Uh, the businesses are doing it, right? A number of yep. corporations are doing it. The federal government's requiring all federal employees. And I think it should spread. I think it should. I think everyone um, should do it. And that that's the direction we're going to go. Mm-hmm. But we're not there. And so therefore, it's quixotic. If one person's doing one thing, another person's doing another thing. And and it's all based on what they are calling the science, I think. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously still challenging days for our students and our parents as they try to navigate all of this stuff. And, um, and hopefully you've uh, received at least some... Uh, little snippets to help make this a good year for your kids. And we're both hoping for you, parents and kids, um, that every day of school is spent in the school classroom uh, this year. And, um, of course, I know that there are some kids who really love being online, and great, you know, good for them, and there's some good online schools. But for those kids who want to be in classroom uh, and those teachers who want to be in classroom, we're really hoping that this year we'll figure it out, we'll keep our kids safe, and they'll have a good learning year. Yeah, mental health, remember one thing, everybody, mental health is just as important and and at a mass level can be more important for children, mental health, than the physiologic, the temporary physiological illness 
yeah. of COVID for some children, right? It's this mental health is a big, big deal. And with and that's why these questions about masking and the questions about going to in-person school, why they are important questions, because what we're trying to do is protect kids' mental health. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. Knowing that and- a few kids are going to get infected, but all kids can potentially have mental health issues. Yes, yeah, and we're and we're certainly seeing that, right? We're seeing a rise in that for all age groups, right? Um, so, well, thank you so much, Michael, and uh, appreciate all you had to say, and thank you everyone for listening. And we're going to be back to with you next time for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Thanks for joining us. And by the way, if you haven't done so, head on over to our Facebook page, and we have a group. It's a private group. And every day I'm adding people to it, excuse me, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. You can ask questions there as well. Um, Thanks again, Michael. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.